GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand. Hello, thanks for listening to the Gibraltar Today podcast. I'm Jonathan Scott. How can we help young people who are not in employment, education or training? Claire Hernandez will join us to report on a new drop-in service at the Youth Centre. And the European Cricket Network T10 tournament starts today at the Europa Sports Complex. We'll be joined by Richard Cunningham of Gibraltar Cricket. But first, do you think the voting age should be lowered from 18 to 16? The political party Together Gibraltar thinks it should be lowered. We speak now to Saray Imlak and Marco de la Chica. Do you remember the first time you voted, Jonathan? I do. I was, uh, yeah, I was at university. At university, very good. I think I was here not too long ago, and my first ever vote was actually the Brexit vote, which, as I'm sure you can imagine, was quite an important one. And I think that the youth of today, in particular, are just bystanders in this political world and they often feel like they don't get a voice when at times it is most important and you'll probably recall that one of our most recent votes was actually the abortion vote where they were in fact allowed to vote and the majority of them did when compared to Mm -hmm. 18 to 20 year olds so we had actually a greater turnout from 16 to 18 than we did from 18 to 20 so i would really question why what's the use of taking that freedom away We should really keep that going. Mm -hmm. We can't necessarily take away, say, for example, that right that we gave them to make such a monumental decision and then turn around and basically pick and choose which institutions they can play into. So, say, for example, following back to Brexit, when Brexit happened, I was 15. It was the summer before my GCSEs. I was making all these like life choices there and then. And something that was going to affect my future, another choice, Brexit, I wasn't allowed to vote in. 16 to 17-year-olds were not allowed to vote in Brexit. And the fact is, as I said in my um, opinion piece for the Panorama, it, half a million people in England uh, would have were 16 to 17-year-olds and they would have voted more positively for yes. So the fact of the matter is, is that Oh, no, not yes. They would have voted to, to, to remain. remain. Sure. You got what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I understood. <laughs> um, and the fact is, is that if that if we had that vote, possibly we could... Brexit may have never actually happened. So their vote does matter. And they are politically attuned enough to understand what affects both them and the societies around them. All right. So uh, you say that. Um, we've got a few comments um, coming in about this. Uh, Simon thinks that it's a ridiculous idea uh, that will probably go through. He thinks that um, on balance the the, lo- the voting age will be lowered. But Simon says that 16-year-olds aren't wise enough to vote. Uh, your response, Sarai? Um, it's interesting that he uses the phrase wise because being politically minded isn't necessarily something that comes with age, which is what I associate wisdom to be associated with. Um The fact of the matter is that studies have shown it doesn't matter what age you necessarily are. If you are politically minded, you can be a 40 year old, say, for example, who turns around and says, I don't like politics or doesn't necessarily pay into politics. And you can be a 16 year old doing your A-levels, GCSEs. It's a part of your curriculum. You really want to sit down there and you want to understand what is going on in your society and you want to be you want to engage civically. It doesn't necessarily have to do with age which is why I always support lowering the voting age, because in fact, we can get this conversation rolling and we can start getting more politically minded people within our society. 
Okay. Lee says young people wouldn't just be getting a say in their lives, they would also have a say in other people's lives. Um, Marco, wh- why should young people have, 16 to 18 year olds, have a say in other people's lives? Well, I think leading up to the voting age, other people have a say in their lives all the way through. And I think it's very easy to paint a picture of them as entirely naive. You know, they haven't had the life experience. They don't own a car. They don't own a bank account. They essentially don't suffer the consequences of their own voting actions. But actually, if you think about it just a little bit more, once you reach 18 years old, you aren't all of a sudden enlightened. In fact, I would say that there are many members of the adult population that are actually politically ignorant, which is why we actually advocate for a heavy dose of education as well as reducing the voting age. So we want to see more dialogue between the current government and its people, whoever that may be, whichever party is in power, so that we can not just lower the voting age and forget about it. No, we want to train our young minds growing up. And uh, one of the pitfalls as well is people often say they are uneducated. Um, But you will find that generation upon generation, we are becoming smarter as a population. That's actually a well-known study known as the Flynn effect, who looked at intelligence scales questionnaires um, across generations. And, well, that's what he found in his results. And um, you you mentioned there that you think that there's no difference uh, effectively between 16 to 18-year-olds and older people, and and there is no um, intelligence test or or no sort of test before you vote as to how well you understand any of the issues. It's it's purely if you qualify Mm -hmm. by age and and residency, then you can vote. That is true. I, I mean, that is the art of democracy, because at the end of the day, even if you're not learned, you do still have a right mm-hmm. to vote. Um, but yeah, We just think that it would be a benefit overall to hear young voices operating within our political system. All right, let's, uh, let's hear what Douglas has to say. Um, Douglas is listening to this conversation and this is his view. Basically, if you're not allowed to drink and smoke at 16, then you're not allowed to vote. Simple as that. What do you think? Uh, we couldn't hear him there, Jonathan, I'm sorry. Uh, apologies. Um, Douglas said, if you're not allowed to drink or smoke at 16, mm-hmm. why should you be allowed to vote? Well, why well, are you allowed to join the army and leave school? Exactly. <laughs> um, uh, using that argument of, you know, drinking and smoking is not allowed at 16, and then, but at 16 you are allowed to leave school, you are allowed to join the workforce, you are allowed to essentially pay taxes, so why shouldn't you have a vote for the government that, you basically have to live under and who will decide all these big decisions. Not only that, at 16, you are making the choice what A-levels you want to do, what future you want to have, if you want to go to university. And the government does have a say in that because you could have a government in power who turns around and says, actually, we're no longer going to give students in Gibraltar the opportunity to have a scholarship or the opportunity to have fully funded education. And unfortunately, exactly like Brexit, you're going to have no say in that matter. I mean, you guys are, you know, you're confident in your position, so I I feel confident in in putting these views which are coming through to you, uh, (laughs) but but they seem to be in the majority um, against Mm -hmm. lowering the voting age. Al says that uh, he would vote no if it it came to a vote. Uh, He thinks that um, 16 and 17-year-olds and and even uh, quite a few 18-year-olds are not interested in politics. They're interested in uh, video games, in girls or boys, and in in having a good time. I mean, admittedly, at 18-year-olds, I was uh, interested in very similar things. Uh, (laughs) But I did know 
that the Brexit vote was extremely important. Mm. And uh, I think the last thing we want to do is discredit our teenage population and just blanketly um, mark them as, well, ignorant, naive, self-centred, only interested with media nowadays, etc., etc. But at the end of the day, it, it is their future entirely. Okay, um, Derek thinks that young people aren't informed enough on political issues and uh, perhaps not mature enough. They lack life experience. Derek thinks that young people could easily be subjected to coercion by parents and friends. What do you think? Do you think 16- and 17-year-olds are capable of making their own minds up? Well, one of the an interesting statistic is that one in three adults actually get their news information from TikTok. And this was put out by the Pew Research Center in um, America. Ha- one in how many? One in three adults, mm. which is a very, very large number. I'm not on TikTok, but I'm guessing <laughs> that it's not the best place to get the news. I wouldn't necessarily <laughs> say it's the most... Because um, GBC is the best place for the news. <laughs> th- thank you, Marco. I wouldn't necessarily say it's the most, like... Um, it's It's got its biases. It's not fact-checked. Um, you do have your issues with TikTok. And the fact of the matter is, is again, it's not age-based. Yeah. Um, it's adults that are getting that information from TikTok. And also, when it comes down to, like, 16-year-olds, once again, this idea of critical thinking is something that's actually taught to them by the education system. And it's something that I have to give props to my teachers for doing because one of the major, major things was you have to sit down there, look at these sources... Why are they propaganda, et cetera, et cetera, especially if you're doing a humanities-based subject, which by the age of 16 you would have because English is compulsory. In fact, do you remember reading uh, the from the English curriculum? I don't suppose you remember reading Charles Dickens. No, I didn't no? read Charles Dickens. You didn't read them? Well, no. we've had a look at the marking criteria. I did some teaching in the UK. Um, in the marking criteria, you have to demonstrate an understanding of very politically related mm-hmm. concepts, things like socialism, et cetera, et cetera. So <laughs> what, we're, what we're really suggesting is you can't just say that 16 and 18-year-olds are ignorant, but we can say that the population as a whole could do better with more education and more open dialogue with the current government about political matters. At the end of the day, um, I remember in my youth having to show my passport at the border whenever my parents went shopping at Brika. We are a actually politicised community in Gibraltar. Our exposure to politics is quite mm. high. And uh, it, it doesn't make sense just saying all kids are naive and, and so on because they, they experience it very, very often. Mm-hmm. So age doesn't per se dictate how um, mature or, or how, how well you've thought things through. Uh, precisely, yes. Um, right, we've got um, Bev who thinks that the majority of 16-year-olds do display maturity of thinking and understanding and are capable of making good decisions regarding issues that affect all tiers of society, uh, provided that they are aware of biased or prejudiced information as well as Mm -hmm. factual information. And and that brings me to one of the points that the consultation paper itself says acts against younger people. Um, It says that uh, many 16 and 17-year-olds might be more susceptible to manipulation and more likely to be influenced by advertising or social media. What do you think? I really want to once again pull us back to the Brexit vote and Cambridge Analytica because 16 to 18 year olds weren't allowed to vote in, well, 16 to 17 year olds, my bad, were not allowed to vote in that and yet 
Cambridge Analytica was used in order to influence the Brexit vote. So we really have to question, is manipulation an age-based problem or is it a problem with our society as a whole due to advertising, due to cookies, due to the internet? I feel like it's very, very easy to be like 16 and 17-year-olds are in uh, you know, immature. But they're more um, likely to get their information, aren't they, from from uh, mobile devices and social media than, than say, uh, you know, An sort older, of a 70-year-old yeah. person. So th- th- there is yeah. that, I guess, no? Th- I mean, there's been loads of theories that do debunk this. Um, so it's very easy to look at social media a bit like an echo chamber where all of your current biases are just continuously reinforced. But we know that that's not how social media works. Social media works off of an engagement-based algorithm, which means that you're most likely to get things that force you to engage with the algorithm, which includes things that uh, go against your opinions, because it's more likely that you'll leave a comment on something inflammatory as you would leave a comment on something that enforces your biases. So again, I don't think it's, it's as easy as just saying kids are more susceptible just because they use social media. If anything, some studies actually say the opposite. Their level of critical thinking is higher because they have to navigate the digital landscape as well as the current physical world that they're in. They're more switched on to the Mm -hmm. perils of of fake news. Precisely. I mean, how often often have you heard stories of someone's uh, grandmother or grandfather who's not technically savvy uh, get hacked or they give away their password so easily and so on? And it's very often those that don't know how to use the technology that suffer from it, as opposed to those that navigate it day in, day out. All right. Um, I'm going to put to you another few perspectives that um, our listeners are getting in touch with. Thank you if you've done so. 266, 200, we're asking if you think uh, the lower the voting age should be lowered from 18 to 16. Uh, we've got uh, Josh, who thinks that reducing the voting age would allow more people to vote and would therefore capture a greater voice of Gibraltar and make sure that more people's opinions are heard. So Josh, I think, broadly in favour. Douglas says he would vote yes if it came to a vote. There are many young people interested in voting. Uh, He would certainly have liked to have voted uh, in the Brexit referendum, he says, and there are also plenty of older people who aren't informed or mature who could easily be coerced. So Douglas echoing some of what you said uh, there. Um, Let me put to you... um, Uh, Something else that's in the consultation uh, paper, uh, while they may be 16 and 17-year-olds, while 16 and 17-year-olds may be allowed to work and pay taxes, they are not treated as fully grown adults in many aspects of life, such as in respect to of alcohol or vaping. Uh, I think you've more or less covered that, but you you don't think that should work against um, the lowering of the voting age? No, I don't think so, um, because that is a health-related question. Really, I think that a lot of people would actually turn away from behaviours such as, you know, vaping, smoking, drinking, if they were offered more opportunities to do something else. So I think uh, Mm -hmm. if we had more, I don't know, I mean, we have a very good sporting activity section, but... Um, I, <laughs> I don't feel... know about the level of engagement. You caught me off guard there. Yeah. But I imagine that teenagers would actually warm up to those uh, resources if they had appropriate pathways available to them. Um, to add on to that point, I feel as if if you give them the vote, 16 and 17 year olds, they also will um, force politicians and force the government to think a bit more carefully about how they're basically going to appeal to the political community and also the voting rate range. And it's it's something that's like, it'll 
bring more diverse voices. It'll basically inspire more community building. And it might be something that pushes away from, for example, vaping or antisocial behavior like drinking on the streets, for example. Okay, let me let me give you one final perspective to respond to before we wrap up. Dylan says, wouldn't um, giving 16 and 17 year olds uh, the, the right to vote, wouldn't it give them uh, more pressure? Would it, uh, you know, sort of place more pressure on their mental health, which we know is an increasing issue among mm-hmm. Gibraltar's young people? Um, personally... Um, This is just my opinion. I believe that 16 and 17 year olds don't necessarily need to be protected from the outside community and it's something that they very well engage with. The fact is, is that in bringing their voices to the table, and it's something that Together Gibraltar really, really promotes, in bringing their voices to the table, we can hear more of what they want to see. Mental health is a huge issue, and mental health is not just one simple factor of stress. It's stress is a factor, but it's not the only factor. The fact is, is that there's multiple things that lead to mental health issues. It's such a wide range, it's such a huge topic. And saying that, adding one more thing onto their plate... The fact is, is that this isn't something that's inherently negative. In fact, this is a positive for them. All right. Well, thank you so much. We're going to just round up with Christian's perspective. Thank you for getting in touch. Christian, uh, who thinks that there are valid arguments for and against lowering the voting Mm -hmm. age. And Charles thinks that we can't generalise. When we talk about 16 to 18-year-olds, we shouldn't generalise in the same way as we shouldn't generalise about uh, any demographic. Mm -hmm. And therefore, the law should be be lowered to allow them to, to vote. On Radio Gibraltar and on GBC Television, Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. How can we help young people who are not in employment, education or training? Claire Hernandez has been thinking about this for the last little while after dropping in at the youth centre. That's right. It's very interesting. I think that anything that will help the young people to get further and and take a step forward is definitely interesting. So this is the Zone Step Up and Thrive project. It's been launched today at the Youth Centre on Limewall Road. It's an opportunity for young people to receive guidance and support and looking at embarking on or developing their careers or maybe to help find the right route for further education. So it's looking at educational possibilities and employment possibilities. I had the chance, as you said, to speak to some of the youth and community workers involved in the project this morning and we have a clip from Jamie Napoli. You are a young person and if you are not in education, employment or training, uh, obviously the youth service is trying to bridge that gap between education and employment and again, if you are if you're aged between 16 and 25, we're trying to put on some sort of a project where they feel comfortable, where they can drop in. Um, it's not necessarily that they're going to be interviewed, it's just about seeing where they're at and seeing what we can help with in moving them forward. Essentially, the youth service are providing guidance, they're also providing mentorship through the use of trained professionals. They have a lot of of support. They have a lot of professional people within the youth service who can help with things like this. They've got a lot of access to educational materials and it's all with the aim of helping people to move forward and find their next step, which I think sometimes is difficult for young people to know Definitely. where they're going. So that's that's the aim. It could be something as simple as perhaps getting help with preparing a CV, getting some interview tips if the young person is, is looking at, at going for you know, going for employment opportunities, asking for information on further education as well. Some kids, I say kids, 
Young I'm obviously, people. yeah. <laughs> I'm an old person, Jonathan, that's why. Um, but yes, they might need a little bit of help. Um, they might not have a clear path ahead and this is an opportunity for them. Um, it's a drop-in service, so it means that these young people can drop in on Thursdays between between 12.30 and 2. So it's actually launched today at 12.30 and it's still running until oh, 2 o'clock. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's still time to pop down there and the support is there. The Step Up and Thrive project is a pilot scheme. So, as I said, launching today, it's a pilot. We'll be keeping an eye on it for the next few months and hopefully bringing some updates of some success stories. You never know. Yeah, fingers crossed. I mean, if you're in that situation and you're not in employment, education or training, then um, the encouragement, the little bit of self-belief could could go a long way, really, no? Definitely. And I think also the youth service have got a lot of experience with dealing with younger children as well. So they might, you know, they can help with so many different things. They're already used to the kids in Gibraltar, the the culture in Gibraltar, and they will provide that guidance for these young people. So just to wrap up on who it's aimed at, it's young people between the ages of 16 and 25, as you said, not in employment, education or training. So listeners might see NEET written around N-E-E-T and that is not in employment, education or training. It's a great programme. We will have contact details. We will provide contact details but if we can mention perhaps the telephone number. Yeah, why not? Definitely. If, if that's okay. Yep. So the telephone number to get in touch with the youth service for this particular project is 200 41948. They also have a WhatsApp number 54084260 and that's for the Step Up and Thrive project which is launching today at the Youth Centre on Limewall Road. Gibraltar today with Jonathan Scott. The European Cricket Network T10 tournament starts today. So that's 10 days of fast and furious 10-over cricket. The action takes place at the Europa Sports Complex and Gibraltar Cricket hopes to have good support from the public. Chairman uh, Chairman of Cricket Development, uh, Richard Cunningham, joins us now. Uh, Afternoon, Richard. Um, So for somebody who's uninitiated with uh, this 10-over cricket, what, what does a format entail what does it look like so thanks uh, thanks for having us jonathan um it is exactly what you said actually so 10 overs it's really quick um so it's 60 balls uh each side and uh you have to really get in and smash it uh from the off there's no defending anything um so you'll see a lot of wickets tumbling and a lot of sixes and fours and uh some real good action i think so it's a really good format to to get into to watch because it's only takes an hour and a half rather than the like a football match yeah exactly so so it's uh yeah it's a good good fun fun introduction to cricket if you've never watched it before and uh so so it, it, it sort of changes or dictates the strategy to a certain extent yeah that you have to attack you have to sort of take risks yeah i mean there's there's no way if you if you face what we call a dot ball which is uh, no run from from a from a, from a delivery it's uh it can be tragic so so three of them in and over and and you really struggle uh, so yeah, you're right. Yeah, you you aim is to for fours and sixes really. Um, yeah, it's massive. All right, and uh, tell us uh, about the teams a little bit. Who's taking part? So we've got uh, Pirates, Sloggers, uh, Tarek, Bavaria, um, and I forget one other. 
Um, let me think. We've got. Uh, I think I've got the list. Uh, Bavaria, here. Uh, no, Bavaria, We've it? got Bavaria, Tarek, Pirates, Sloggers, and Rugby. That's it. Rugby CC. Yeah, the 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 teams are pretty evenly uh, evenly spread out. We did, kind of did a did a draft between the teams so that there's some really strong players in there and uh, and some more uh, uh, players who are coming down for a bit of recreational cricket. So, so it's mainly Gibraltar players. Yeah, uh, there's a, a few visitors from over over the, over the uh, border who who come down and play as well. I mean, we we go up to Cartmer at times, so they. We've got a close relationship with that club. So Where's that, sorry? Casper's uh, just north of um, Marbella. Ah, OK, yeah. so yeah, close by. Yeah. yeah good so. stuff. Uh, OK, so uh, what about the players? Who should we look out for? Who's on good form? Well, I think the youngster, Louis Bruce. Um, and we've got a few, like uh, Robin Petrie in our team that uh, can can hit sixes. Uh, the national team captain, Avanesh Pai. Um, yeah, there's, uh, there's some real big hitters down there, so it's uh, going to be a joy to watch, I think. Good stuff, um, and um, it's it's filmed. The camera is capturing the action and um, and uh, broadcasting it online. What? How does that change things? How does that create atmosphere? And 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 does it make it more meaningful to the players? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, some get a bit jittery uh, knowing that there's four million people watching you play cricket. <laughs> Um, but I think in general that uh, once you get into the game, you kind of lose sight of, of what's happening around you and concentrate on the game. So um, it's a good advert for jib cricket to to get out there um, worldwide, really, and and uh, and a little good little advert for Gibraltar as well. And you say four million because um, last that that's the sort of potential reach, uh, and and in particular those viewers are in India and Pakistan. Yeah, I and mean, there's a, they, they they there's a kind of fancy league uh, that operates in India for uh, for the actual tournament. So and they they're quite engaged over there and and uh, like buying and selling fantasy players uh, based on the teams that we send them. Um, but there's quite big in Europe as well. The the uh, European Cricket Network's been going on for about four years now, and and uh, they've grown massively over the last two. And it's very much geared towards um, providing cricket that is TV and broadcast friendly. Yeah, I mean, it, their ethos is to, to get people playing cricket. Um, I think that that was the, the the first thing they wanted to do, and that they've certainly achieved that. And and um, sometimes the standard could be really high, and sometimes it can be really low. It doesn't really matter, but as, as long as we've got people going out and enjoying the game, that's uh, that's the aim of it, I think. And um, you're hoping for good support from the public in Gibraltar as well. Um, I mean, atmosphere at an actual um, sport event always helps create. I mean, it's great to know that, that, that there'll be viewers online, but you also want the cheers at the event, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it does help and it, uh, it does goad you on a bit uh, and make you perform a bit better, I think. Um, but we've got uh, we've got the pavilion bar open from six pm every evening, and we'll be ser- serving drinks, coffee, and snacks from there. So you can come down and watch one or two games if you like, and and enjoy a little drink as well. Good stuff. And um, uh, in a world, uh, and, and you know, I, I always think this that uh, there, there, are, there are so many things competing for our attention, and and people lead such busy lives nowadays. What would uh, a a good crowd look like at this event for you. I mean, if if we can get fifty down there, that would be be amazing. Um, but 
even 10 people can make noise so um, I'd be happy with anyone anyone coming down and and cheering us on it's uh, it really does uh, lift the the atmosphere and and make everything feel that more real doesn't it when you've got like oh cheers and (laughs) absolutely so we've got we've got a really good uh, special commentator down there as well um, who 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 kind of covers most of the ECN events Uh, Vinnie Sandu is is a bit of a legend on the ECN network and uh, he, he kind of creates Really good atmosphere because you can hear him uh, uh, on the comms. Ah, oh, brilliant! When, 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 no. when you're down there as well. Let's hear his voice. Ten over format, so it is chaos cricket. I'm really looking forward to being back at the Rock and European Cricket Network. It is something a little bit different. So why don't you come down and check it out? Good stuff. You, I mean, you can hear the energy in his voice. No, he, yeah, he's, he's a he's pro. Amazing. And actually, if you want to watch out for his suits as well, they're pretty loud. <laughs> nice, colourful. <laughs> oh, very. <laughs> yeah, good man. And uh, so, so, so then players are are are, are actually uh, sort of hearing his commentary um, on their action as as they're hitting the balls as they're bowling. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, when when he says, "Oh, he's dropped it," it's. Uh, it can be a bit disheartening. Yeah, it's like, oh. but, then, but then again, when you say magical catch, it's uh, yeah, it you off a bit as well. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. Um, okay, so uh, if if people want to find out a little bit more, uh, anyone listening uh, about uh, the, I mean, you're saying it's starting at six every evening. Six forty-five is six, the game start time. But yeah, we'll be down there from six. I think. Okay, and uh, and where can they find out more um, about who's playing when? So uh, if you check out our Facebook page, uh, Gibraltar Cricket Facebook page, we have uh, we have a schedule up there. Um, and also uh, on the ECN uh, Cricket Network, uh, they will be heavily into their social media over the next 10 days as well. Okay, and for anyone who's just joining us a little late, uh, a quick reminder, why should people follow this European Cricket Network T10 tournament or even perhaps go down there and, and, and form part of that crowd? I mean, it's, a, it's an amazing tournament. It's fast and furious cricket. Um, you'll see sixes being hit. You'll be wickets flying everywhere. And uh, it really is a, 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 a smashing game to get into if you've never watched cricket before. Thanks for listening to those highlights from Gibraltar today. I'm Kelly M. Borge, the show's producer. We're live on Radio Gibraltar Monday to Friday from 1 to 2, getting behind the headlines. And you can catch up here whenever you like. Until next time, have a good one. GBC Podcasts. Local voices on demand.